Howdy, howdy do, Who fans, and welcome to the Big Blue Box Podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And welcome to episode 307. Yeah. One day, I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine. Our lives are different to anybody else's. That's the exciting thing. Nobody in the universe can do what we're doing. I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow, so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. You may be a doctor, but I'm the doctor. The definite article, you might say. The trouble with time travel is one never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. And it seems not a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. I am the doctor. For now, for this moment, I am the doctor again. The ground beneath our feet is spinning at a thousand miles an hour. And the entire planet is hurtling around the sun at 67,000 miles an hour. And I can feel it. We're falling through space, you and me. People assume that time is a strict progression of cause to effect. But actually, from a non-linear, non-subjective view, more like a big ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. I could be a curator. I'd be great at curating. I'd be the great curator. <laughs> I could retire and do that. I'm the doctor. I've lived for over 2,000 years. And not all of them were good. I've made many mistakes. And it's about time that I did something about that. Bit of adrenaline, dash of outrage, and a hint of panic knitted my brain back together. I know exactly who I am. I'm the Doctor. Sorting out fair play throughout the universe. Hey, 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 Doctor Who fans. Welcome back to another week aboard the TARDIS. It is episode 307. Good to have you all here. I hope you've all had a cracking week. And that you've all managed to do something Doctor Who related. Yes, indeed. 307, but it's the middle of April. Bloody hell, this year's going pretty quick. I know. It's flying by, isn't it? Yeah. We're out of lockdown here in the UK. Slowly getting back to normal. Yay. We'll be back in it again in July. Oh, no. (laughs) The The voice of doom. No, sorry, we won't. We won't. Surely we won't. I uh, hope you all are in whatever country you're in, whatever area you're in, you're all um, hopefully doing well with the whole COVID thing and that you're coming out of it and, and blah, blah, blah. It's all good. We are going to close out our e- eSpace trilogy reviews this week. Yeah, yeah. Which has been interesting. The old eSpace. Yeah, I must admit, um, I quite enjoyed it overall. I, I, there's something about this little sort of loose trilogy which, uh, although I don't think the story is the best, I've kind of liked diving in. You know mm. what I mean? Sometimes when I see what story we've got to review, it, in my head, I'm either thinking, oh, I'm looking forward to watching that, or I'm thinking, oh, God, I've got to stick that on later on. <laughs> so, <laughs> but these these ones, I've been, like with Warriors Gate, I mean, so long since I watched it, I thought, yeah, I'm actually quite looking forward to sticking that on and seeing what it's like, because I couldn't remember much about it or, or anything. So I've quite enjoyed dipping into eSpace. I don't think I'll mm. be sad to leave. <laughs> I mean, let's get back into end space for goodness sake. But uh, no, I've quite enjoyed dipping into this little era, hmm. this little pocket. Yeah, I was going to use the word fun initially. I was going to say it's been fun um, going through the eSpace um, trilogy, but 
I think interesting is a more appropriate word. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so we're going to close that out this week with Warrior's Gate. Normally, I would say before that, though, we're going to talk about blah, blah, but there's no news again. There's no news. There's no news. I did see this funny thing. This uh, something about Russell T. Davis. I was doing some research. Like, oh, yeah. you know, is there is there any is there any Doctor Who news that we should speak about? And uh, I saw that on Hull online, <laughs> the, the headline was something like Doctor Who fans uh, are excited about seeing Russell T. Davis <laughs> in Hull. <laughs> so I thought, hmm, is this one of those things where? Somebody's been spotted near a filming location, so that oh, automatically right, means yeah. that they're involved, sort of thing. Anyway, yeah. it was absolutely nothing to do with Doctor Who. Oh. It was just the way they worded it was, you know, Russell T. Davis as a former Doctor Who writer. And that was it. He just took a selfie in front of Philip Larkin sta- uh, the Philip Larkin statue in the whole station. Yeah. And that was it. So I got excited for about 20 seconds. And then, yeah, I realised that there was absolutely nothing in it about Doctor Who. So that was weird. <laughs> we're that we're that desperate for for news that we're just clinging on to er- anything now. Just you know, Stephen Moffat has been cited <laughs> in leaving his house <laughs> yeah. and going and getting his daily paper, <laughs> clutching at every straw possible. Yeah, for some news. Yeah, I suppose maybe now lockdowns lifted, these actors and stuff will start to appear. I mean, I haven't seen, uh, I haven't heard much from Compelli. Since he left, I mean, it was his, it's his birthday today, isn't it? The day we're recording is yes. about his birthday. Yep. But he seems to be really quiet since leaving Doctor Who. I mean, I think he's filming. What's he filming? I saw some filming pictures of him with all these things sticking out of his bald head. Is it a Marvel thing or something? Oh, he's done that. Yeah. So that was the new Suicide Squad movie. Oh, is he in that? Is he? Yes. Oh, right. Yeah. God, it's better than the first one. Well, it wouldn't be difficult, would it? No. <laughs> well. one, but yeah, apparently. Um, I don't think he's got a huge part in it, but apparently he's very good. Well, he is good, isn't he? Yeah. Well, of course, yeah, he's a great actor, but I think specifically for this film, apparently he's got he's very good, very quirky, very zany, very sinister as well at the same time. Mm. Should be good. Yeah, I just look yeah. forward to seeing him something because, as I said, since leaving Who, I don't think I've seen him in anything really. I know, uh, Paddington was. During Dot Two, wasn't it? It wasn't after, was it? It was during, I think. Yeah, yeah no, he, he was good in. He was good in the first one. He was hardly in the second one, but he's great in the first Paddington movie. But no, yeah, apart during, from that, yeah. I've already yeah. seen him, and I I don't know about you, mate, but I miss Capaldi. Mm. I think he's a he's a great actor, and he does fun and comedy as well as serious. And yeah, it'd be good to see him in some. I'm sure he's been busy. I just probably just haven't seen it. <laughs> no, true. Yeah. yeah. It's just a shame that Doctor Who aged him by about 15 years. Oh, no, poor man. Oh, actually, the... did. God, he, <laughs> he popped up in, a, in an episode of Minder the other day, really old from like 1980s, and I hardly recognised him. He looked so young. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Who ravaged him? Yeah. Yes. Well, me and the wife were watching, uh, we were re watching The Vicar of Dibley um, a while oh, ago now, yeah. not too long ago, last month. And. He's in a couple of episodes of that, and he looks very oh, yes. young and got Has big. He got long hair, yeah, big bouffanty hair, and yeah. So, but then actually saying that, he did a quite quite a funny comedy here called "The Thick of It," like a political yes. satire yeah. sort of thing. And um, yeah, he didn't. He 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 looked very similar to you know when he had short hair as the Doctor. I think yeah, yeah, he looked kind of similar there, and. Um, the language in that show. Oh, the I language. was very, I was very late to the party with that one. 
uh, everyone was saying how good it was. And um, yeah, I, I think I just bought the box set and went back and watched it from the start. But after everyone had already watched it, it was good. But God, the language. Terrible. See the doctor yeah. coming out with that sort of stuff. But um, yeah, yeah, but he, 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 didn't, gen- he didn't look dissimilar though to when he to, to his doctor and stuff. But it's post Doctor Who you can really tell the difference. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say uh, Matt Smith did a little interview in something. Uh, I read a snippet from they were, and uh, he was saying, you know, I mean, Matt Smith was a really young guy when he took on the part of Doctor, wasn't he? And even he said it's. Um, they said, "Oh, do you still think about Doctor?" He's like, "God, it, it's the best job in the world. Of course I do." He said, "But uh, you know, it's really, really grueling." He said, "I can totally mm. understand why people do three or four years and bow out." And I thought, if he's saying that, and he's a young, <laughs> fit man, you know, it is it is a challenging part to take on isn't it so it's full on yeah i think his words were it was challenging and taxing yeah so yeah yeah so he could fully understand why you would do around three seasons three or four years whatever yeah. and then do the off yeah i completely understand that man i think the only yeah. person that never complained about that stuff not publicly anyway was david tennant yeah i think he just sort of rolled with the punches although he was knackered you could see he was <laughs> in some of the behind the scenes stuff he was clearly knackered but he never complained i don't think even doing night shoots and busy schedules. and But that's just David Tennant, I guess. He just loves it, doesn't he? Loves it all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One thing I've not seen, though, you might have seen it, mate, um, it, during lockdown, is uh, that Netflix series that he did called Staged. Was that any no, good? No, I, I don't have Internet. Netflix. Right. It's, I thought it was a BBC stage. Oh, was it Stage? Oh, I thought it was Netflix anyway. Um, we'll have to no, check I haven't out. seen it. I'm just thinking, I remember seeing adverts for it, that's all. Because they kept, there was a sort of Doctor Who bit on the on the clip, and I kept thinking, oh, I must watch that. I think where he turned to Michael Sheen and said, oh, didn't you ever want to be Doctor Who? And Michael Sheen was like, well, they did offer it to me. David's like, did they? And that was the clip they kept showing every week. But right, I, I never right. actually saw it. But yeah, I hear that's pretty good. Yeah, I think Georgia Tennant's in it as well, isn't she? She is, and yeah. She I think up she's, in a couple. Um, yeah, she's in it a, a few times, yeah. I think the premise is it's those two rehearsing for a for a play, but remotely during oh, lockdown. Right. Yeah, that's another series to put on my list. Need to go back and watch. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So there's no Doctor Who news to speak of. No, I haven't done anything Doctor Who-y for the past week either, dude. Have you done anything? Uh, not a great deal, mate. No, I, I finished the Full Circle Target book, and um, I really enjoyed that. You know. Really enjoyed reading that. Um, I haven't got the Tiger book for State of the Case, so I'm not <laughs> can't read that. But I have got the Tiger book for Warriors Gates, and now after we've reviewed it, I'm gonna gonna do that. So yeah, I'm finally actually reading some of my Tiger books. But yeah, um, I haven't started it yet. I've just got it to my right hand side here, just ready to go. Nice. So I'm gonna start reading that later today. Um, but now I haven't really had a chance to do anything Doctor Who related. I've got some big finishes on order coming out this month, but I don't think they've been released yet. So the Dalek universe is I've pre-ordered and I keep checking to see if they've released it yet, but I'm they're still waiting for that. So okay. yeah, so I've got a few things to keep you busy, but no, I haven't really done anything. I've still not watched the Katie interview actually on the season eight set. That's the, what that's the other thing on my list things to do. So I've watched everything else. I've watched all <laughs> the other extras, loved it, devoured that set. Um, but I've still got the Matthew Sweet and Katie Manning interview to watch mm. season eight. So the thing is now it's brightening up. I don't know about you. The evenings are longer. And so I get this, you know, you get like this glare reflection on my TV. So even though I've been stuck at home, I haven't really wanted to sit and watch TV because it's so bright out and stuff. So 
Yeah, I've got a few things to watch. And obviously in the evening, the other half comes in, you know, the time I would normally watch, you know, sit down, <laughs> little sherry poured. Let's get that Katie view on. Here he comes. Oh, you're not watching that rubbish. I can't say, you know, but yeah, I've got a few things. <laughs> I've got a few things sort of lined up to do when I get a chance. Uh, but, life, eh? But like you say, this week's, the weeks are flying by at the minute. Yeah. Thank you very much to those of you that tweeted back some pictures of your, um, uh, your target books for State of Decay and your cassette tapes oh, and stuff. Yeah. That was very cool, yeah. Yeah. That was me thinking it was a real rare collectible, <laughs> r- rare thing, and turns oh, out the I, entire world owns it. So It's got it. Yeah, I put mine on eBay for £3,999 plus £4 postage, but I haven't had any bids yet, which is strange. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I thought this is a real collector's item. This is like, oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no. Fun times. 50p, wasn't it? Starting price. On the yeah, party. 50p, mate. Yeah. Yeah. I'll never forget there was a program where this guy, a bit like me, just a hoarder, buys all this stuff. And he, he'd, um, you know, it's like one of those programs, declutter your house or whatever. Or, and uh, the woman was like going through his old collection in his garage and he'd got like multiple copies of the Radio Times of Doctor Who on the front cover. So he'd bought like five copies of that issue and five copies of the next Radio Times Doctor Who. And she's like, what? These are never going to be worth anything. Because <laughs> they're like, they're, they're mass produced. You know, it's not like they're old Radio mm. Times. You know, and he's, oh, he was gutted. But it made me think of me. I thought all this stuff, I probably think, oh, I bet that's rare. <laughs> no, there's millions of them out there. Yeah. Either that or our better halves would go through that stuff. And just assume that it's all rubbish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> be like, yeah, just get rid of it. Take the lot. Oh, I've no. got a few radio times. They do take up a lot of room. I keep thinking, do I need to keep them? But yeah, not multiple copies, but I've got, I've got, I always buy the radio times if the doctor's on the front. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, they take up a lot of room. <laughs> they do when you get a few hundred of them. Yeah, That's exactly. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like that with yeah. comics, like single issue comic books. Oh, same. I've got a couple of comic book boxes. Yeah. And they're pretty heavy. And I'm thinking, hmm. I was thinking about this the other day with comics and stuff. You know, it goes back to this conversation that we've had numerous times about physical versus digital and all that jazz. Mm. I think my comic books are the one thing I'll, I'll keep physical because I just love that smell. You know, when you open up a new book or a new <sighs> comic and that's print yeah. smell and, ah, nice. Yeah, comics are lovely. I, I was going to say, I can totally get that. I think, yeah. I know what you're saying about the physical thing, but there is something about comics, isn't there? I've got loads of comics as well, and um, I could never bring myself to get rid of them. They are, like you said, though, I've got a box. They weigh an absolute ton. Yeah, they <laughs> you know, are heavy. When you start yeah. collecting them, yeah. God, they're backbreakers, those boxes. Yeah. Talking of comics, going to head out to Forbidden Planet this weekend, bud. <gasps> are open. you? Yeah, it's opened up now. Non-essential. How can Forbidden Planet be classed as a non-essential store? Come on. <laughs> yeah. So they're opened yeah. up. So I'm going to go. I'm, I'm oh, probably going to spend money that I don't have just for the sake of it, just because it's open again. It's like, yay! Like running around, picking oh, everything I'm, up. Yeah. I'm itching to get in there. When do you, when do you think you'll go? Because I, I think at the minute, oh, they're still obviously um, limiting the amount of people that can go in. Because they, they mm-hmm. tweeted a picture, didn't they, of, um, of the queue to get in and i thought yeah you know i might let it just give it a week or two just let it die down a little bit but, although that shop's always busy so i was gonna say yeah. mate i don't think it will die down because it's all yeah like you said it's always busy but yeah me and the fam we're in oh no me and the family uh, we are in liverpool this weekend a little cheeky little family break now that lockdown's eased up 
Oh yeah. And uh, so we're going to go and check that one. Then. So it's not a huge one in Liverpool, but it's uh, fairly fairly decently sized, I guess. Not as, it's not like the London megastore or anything like that, but yeah, they've got a decent range of comics and books. So go and grab a bunch uh-huh. of stuff there. I'll report back on the Doctor Who range. Do it if it's yes. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Take a photo. Are you going to go as you're in Liverpool? Are you going to go and find the the locations where they've been filming recently? Are you going to go and stand in the spot where the TARDIS was? <laughs> The other week, go and stand where Jody stood, get a no. photo. No. No? No. All right. right. If I see John Bishop <laughs> knocking about, then uh, oh, yeah. I'll talk to him. Yeah. I'll ask him on the show. Because he well, said he might... really wanted to come on last time. I was like, John, mate, we're just, we're busy. Give it a while. So I'll well, ask you him. Might, you might spot a random star and then you'll be able to tweet, oh, they must be in Doctor Who because I've spotted them in Liverpool. <laughs> you want Most me to be the... Jones, <laughs> like, walking down. <laughs> you want me to be the starter of a rumour mill, do you? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, it could be anybody. <laughs> yeah. I do one of those selfie shots where it's the majority of it is my head, but then, like, three miles in the distance there's a blurry little figure. I'll be like, oh, Catherine Tate over there, she's back in Liverpool. She must be in the show, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We do that thing where you take a selfie, there's so much backlight, you can't see any of the background, and you could be literally anywhere. It's <laughs> just like, yeah, exactly. that was Liverpool, is it? Oh. Yeah, I was in the TARDIS and everything. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll check that out. I'll report back on the Doctor Who stuff, yeah. Ooh. So, before we crack on with that, I'll review. Remember to follow... Us on whatever podcast app you get your podcast on, you can listen for free on all of those things, such as Apple Podcasts and Spotify and all that stuff. We'd love to have you as a follower so you don't miss a show and it lands every single Friday. And if you've just jumped on board, this is your first episode, then welcome. It's good to have you here. And if you're joining us um, as a long-time listener, then it's also great to have you back. One of the grizzled ancients, as we say. Yeah, I love that. Good. Head over to the website. We've got loads of stuff over there. www.bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. You can listen to all of these episodes for free as well over there. We also have some really cool articles and reviews from our writing team. As we're recording this today on the 14th, our review by Jordan went up today for Master from Big Finish. So check that out. And tomorrow, yesterday for you guys, the next review from Jordan from Big Finish is also The Lost Stories, the fourth Doctor Story, Return of the Cybermen. Ooh. So both of those are very interesting stories, actually. I read Jordan's review this morning as I was editing and published them, scheduling them. So go and check those out. It's all good. We're on the socials too, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Do a search for us, or there are links on the website. We chat Doctor Who throughout the week, so come and get involved over there. We have a free Discord server as well. Link on the website. Come and register, come and hang out and chat Doctor Who over on Discord. And we're on YouTube as well. Back on the live streams from this Saturday morning. Come and get involved and hang out and chat more Doctor Who. Lots of opportunities to chat Doctor Who. It's all good. Right, bud. Review time. What have we got? Yeah, so yeah, we're drifting into eSpace for the last time with Warrior's Gate. Home reading show, no space, no time, just like before. Lost control. Adrift in East Base. Come on, Doctor. We've got to do something. What did you see? Time sensitive. So it is here. A way out. All the gateways are one. What are you? We are Gunder. Shadow of my past. And of your future. Alert! Danger! Warning! We exist to kill. Time's run out for you. 
Doctor, this place is in worse shape than we thought it was. It can't get worse than the back of beyond. Can't get worse than the back of beyond, eh? <laughs> what a great line. <laughs> Warriors Gate. It was first broadcast back on the 3rd of January uh, until the 24th of January, 1981. So a nice little New Year's treat for some people. Mm. Back in the early 80s, it was written by Stephen Gallagher, directed by Paul Joyce, uncredited direction also by Graham Harper, stars Tom Baker. Lala Ward, Matthew Waterhouse, and John Leeson, a couple of them for the last time. Half a dozen supporting cast members, and the synopsis, I am so glad that four websites like tardis.fandom.com and Wikipedia, because I would not know where to start. No, I was looking forward to your synopsis of this one. So here's the synopsis officially, I guess, from the Beeb. A strange creature forces its way into the TARDIS, steering it into a white void occupied only by the ruins of an old building and a spaceship. This empty space is a gateway to the past and the future. The creature responsible for taking them there is Birok, a member of the enslaved race known as the Tharal. The gateway offers the only exit from e-space, but the void is contracting. Are the fourth Doctor and his friends fated to spend eternity in e-space? What final shocking revelation awaits the Doctor? Good luck, dude. What did you think to this one? <laughs> yeah, I must admit, I, um, I've i watched this a couple of times. This is kind of why I'm looking forward to reading the book, because I'm really hoping that I can finally understand what is going on in this story, because I, I was so confused. I don't know, this is probably my fourth time watching it, maybe, and um, over the years. And uh, I was just sat there a lot of the time thinking, what is going on? What is going on in this story? And yet... I was really enjoying it. Um, I just, <laughs> it's one of those stories where I think I like the fact that they're trying something different. Um, I think it's really unusual having these sets which are just void, which could be really boring and probably by all rights should look boring, but somehow work. Um, and I don't know, there's just enough crazy stuff going on that it keeps my interest throughout. So I don't think it's like a, a classic or, or a belter or anything like that. But there's something about it I like. I can't really put a finger on it. It's it's confusing as hell. I mean, if you were gonna, if someone said to you like, "I've never watched any classic Doctor Who before," which which story would you recommend starting with? Oh, Warriors Gate, mate. <laughs> like mm. you know, because it's it's just so unstraightforward and it's yeah, it's a baffling story. I don't I really understand what's happening in it, but there's something about it I like and. Um, the only thing I would say is I think the cast are a bit flat in it. Um, Tom looks absolutely shattered, <laughs> bless him. He, was Ill, he really yeah. looks, really looks tired in this. Um, yeah, he still manages to, to give quite a compelling performance, actually. Again, there's something about Tom, just the wide-eyedness and, and the way he delivers his lines. He's still, even though he looks shattered, still um, a really big presence on screen. I think that helps as well. But Lala's quite strong in this one, I think, uh, in the scene she gets. She do not handle that technobabble well, you know. I made a note of that. She gets some real tongue-twisting lines to say, especially when she first steps out of the TARDIS, you know, when she's talking to the the uh, guys. And she's reeling off all this stuff as if it's just the most natural thing in the world. So credit to Lala for the technobabble. So, yeah, I, it's, a, it's a strange one. Don't get me wrong. 
and certainly not for a, for a first time viewer. Uh, it's a classic who, but there's something about it I liked, <laughs> even though I was completely confused for ninety percent of the time. I quite enjoyed it, even at the end when I switched off. I thought, oh, I liked that, but what the hell was it about? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. Strange one, a very strange end to the trilogy, but I don't know. Something about it works. What do you think? Were you baffled? Did you like it? Did you? Or did you? Were you just sort of thinking, will this ever end? Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, for a start, it's absolutely just bonkers, isn't it? It's one of those stories, it a bit is. like I don't know, like Ghost Light. You know, when you're watching Ghost yeah, yeah. Light and you're like, just what? What is? What is happening? Have I fallen asleep and I've missed? A, a big bulk of the story because I don't know, man. And it's like it's like that watching this one. Even and it's not like you get part way through the story, like halfway or two thirds of the way, and you think the story's losing me a bit here. Mm. Within twenty minutes of episode one, I'm like, I don't yeah. know. I have no like. My, my wife came in as I was watching this, and she was like, "Okay, some more Doctor Who you re- you recording tomorrow?" I was like, "Yeah, I need to get this watched," but I'm just dreading it because I, I just don't know how I'm going to get through this review because she was like, what's, what's the, what's the problem? So I tried to explain the story to her. No good. She was like, I, I'm, I, yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> so <laughs> honestly, right, I just cannot, I, I, I get the, the very rough outline of them being stuck in this void. I get, I get that. Um, and I get that, the void that they're in is uh, is contracting and unless they escape then they're going to be stuck or worse so they need to escape so I, I get that but I don't understand anything else in the story I don't understand the um I don't understand the the the, the Tharals I don't get what they're about I don't get the whole when you go through the mirror portal what the no, deal is once you're behind the mirror portal. I don't get why. Didn't get that. No. I don't get how and why the other people are stranded there on that spaceship. I don't know or get or understand why they're there, but they're there and they're trying to escape as well. And they find that probably the best option is to try and get through this mirror portal. And uh, so they try and blast it with some massive satellite dish weapon thing, which doesn't work quite. Uh, which is quite funny. And then they decide to turn on the ship's engines and literally just blow the thing to smithereens because that will work, mm. which clearly does, you know. So, and then there's this whole thing around when the doctor's in this weird gothic castle thing. You've got these robots, I think, but with. They look like they've got dustbins on their heads. Yeah. Yeah. And one of them wakes up and decapitates the other one and runs off, but you never see him again. And all, all that stuff that the doctor, so the doctor sort of wires him up and has got like this little knife pocket knife thing in his head and he's Mm. twisting the screws and he's trying to get some communication out of him and all of that conversation between the doctor and this thing i'm just like uh right but what does that i I don't know what (laughs) like throughout every single episode about half a dozen times i'm like ah do i need to pause this do i need it was almost like a star wars moment with the rise of skywalker like do i need to pause this and go and read the book so that I understand, you know, not, you know, 
There's, it there's a weird. lot of head mouth moments, isn't there? I mean, there's a there is a scene, yeah, where the doctor's he's gone through the mirror, and you think he's safe. He's got away from the guys in the sort of the version of the castle that's all covered in cobwebs, and he's sort of in the sort of the other version of it. You think he's safe, and then suddenly there's an axe goes through the table when he's back with all the other guys. And I thought, what what's happening? How <laughs> why has he suddenly gone back? Yeah, I, I was mm-hmm. totally confused a lot of time. And the thing is, I really concentrated this time. You know, like when <laughs> you put time. on Who and it's just casually on because you've seen the episode a few times, so you just put it on for something to watch. But, you know, yeah, there are bits where you're not really watching it. You know, whenever we do a review, I really try and watch it and get into it and so that try and get the most from the story uh, so that we can talk about it on the podcast. So I was really watching, really, really trying to concentrate, get my head around the story, and even then... I was just baffled. Like you said, I just couldn't work out, you know, the slave ship. You got the slave ship, and then you've got these other guys that just seem to be wandering back and forth through the mirror, having a jolly old time. And I don't know. It just sounds like, are they trying to free them? Have they escaped? What's, yeah, it's, it's even weird, reading Wikipedia this morning, I was just uh, still none the wiser, really. Yeah. Um, and but, it did, but did you still find it an enjoyable watch? Because, I mean, that's the thing. Even though I was confused, it's a, I quite like things that are weird. So, you know, like the prisoner is really sort of psychedelic and strange and not like this, but you know, it, it's, I, that's what I kind of like about it is that it's, it's just testing. It's trying new things and it's sort of trying different directions. So I think that's what I like about this story is it's just a bit surreal. I like mm. the surreal nature about it, but did you enjoy watching it even though you're confused or, no. or were you bored? No, I didn't. No, no. What I was going to say is the the other thing that doesn't help this is that it was such a troubled production. You can tell oh, God, a mile yeah. off that the direction's just all over the place. Yeah, like really bad direction in this one. There's scenes where it's quite well documented. I think that there was a lot of conflict between the um the the original director who was on board. Um. Uh, I think it was Paul Joyce. Paul Joyce, yeah. yeah. And then his arguments with the lighting guy and John Nathan Turner got involved and he wasn't happy with things. So Graham Harper then jumped on board and did some writing and stuff. And then there was another director. And it's just a nightmare because there's quite a few scenes where, first of all, the sets just weren't lit properly. And then there was other scenes where you've got two actors. You know, there was those two guys on the slave ship and they were – I think they like the were the comedy like, duo. Yeah, the maintenance guys or whatever. Yeah. There was yeah. loads of scenes where on set because of the way it was lit, one of the actors' faces was in shadow. Mm. So you couldn't see his expression as he was talking and it just looked awful and there was another scene where the camera was put down quite low behind you know the bridge part of that ship. It's sort of looking up, isn't it? And it's it? looking yeah. up and it's through like this little metal bar but that's covering one of the actors' faces and and yeah, the set itself is just atrocious. Like you can tell they've built this really creaky old wobbly thing, but they ran out of money to put wood on the, to finish off the console. So they've just, you can see they stapled gun, just black cloth around it. Like you do on a, in a, in a high school play sort of thing. It's so. That, 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 <sighs> uh, that bit doesn't look safe, does it? You know, the bit they stood on that girder, I kept thinking every time they move, it rattles. As if it's just going to collapse, I thought, God. Yeah, it doesn't seem like a very sturdy set. It was closed down, mate. Was it? it the set was You're closed joking. down for health and safety, yeah. 
No way. No, no BS, mate. Really? Yeah. I mean, I don't know why I'm surprised because I, it, it looks like it should be closed down. <laughs> yep. Wow. Yep. So, uh, uh, so alongside all of that, just terrible communication between director, lighting, cinematography, all that stuff, you yeah. have the strike, the BBC strike. So all the carpenters. And all the workforce, you know, the people that keep these things going at the BBC, they all went on strike. And oh, then... Uh, not to even mention Tom and Lala still not talking to each other at this point. Of course, yeah. This is, must have been... A, the, the tension and stuff on set with all the stuff going on must have been a nightmare. I mean, I said the cast were a bit flat earlier. I reckon it was just probably... A, they probably didn't understand what was actually going on in the story. I think they say, you know, a lot of the actors say in the commentary, we had no clue what the story is about. We just read our lines, which kind of comes across, doesn't it? <laughs> they do look a bit like they are just saying the lines. And also, I suppose the tensions on set, there's a really good little documentary on the, on the uh, DVD with Paul Joyce. Uh, well, it's a making off of the show, but Paul Joyce, the director, I, I'm going to throw him a little bit <laughs> of slack because I totally agree with what you said about, just said about the direction, but he was not right. For directing Doctor Who, basically. I mean, with Doctor Who, you've got to come in, you've got to make it in breakneck speed time and just get it done. Paul Joyce comes in and he wants to make a feature film. So he sort of starts filming. And I mean, that opening shot of the, of the spaceship, it's a bit like the beginning of um, Leisure Hive. It just goes on and on. And mm-hmm. what is it about season 18 in these long opening <laughs> shots? It's just unbelievable. But yeah, Paul Joyce comes in and he wants to make like Doctor Who look good. That's what he's trying to do. But he doesn't realize that, you you know, when Doctor Who's been made at time, you can't do that. You haven't got the time to spend three hours filming an opening shot. You've got to get that done in half an hour at the most and move on. And so he's trying to film all this stuff. He's, and what I'm throwing him slack is because we often we often criticize directors for not trying stuff. So this is, this is why I'm friend him, but it's like, he does try and shoot from different angles and make it look interesting. Okay. It doesn't really work, but I'm going to throw him slack for trying. So you've got Joyce trying to make a movie. He's taking so long to get shots done. that All the actors are getting brought add into the mix. You've got Tom and Lala who are still, going through a really bad patch of not talking to each other. So there's tension on set between them. Then the whole production goes behind schedule. It's just turning into chaos. JNT has to step in and say, Paul, you've got to speed up, mate. This, you, you're, you're so behind. This is not going to get finished. Well, I'm going to do what I want to do. Oh, okay. So he, he lets him carry on for a bit. It's a disaster. JNT has to step in and, write a formal complaint <laughs> because Joyce has shot that you can see the studio lights through the stairs and that's forbidden. And it's so production is halted. It's just a nightmare. So you can imagine the actors just thinking, what is going on? What is this director doing? Mm-hmm. Um, so then Joyce gets sacked. JNT sacks him, says, I'm sorry, you're off the shoot. I've got to get Graham Harper to step in. So JNT and Graham Harper spend half an hour trying to work out the, the, you know, the studio notes to get this thing finished. Paul Joyce, being a bit cocky, thinks, go on then, lads, let's see you do it. I'm just going to go to the BBC bar. 
goes and sits in the BBC bar, waits half an hour. J&T comes, comes back in. Paul, can you carry on, please? Because we can't understand it. <laughs> <laughs> so so they, Graham Harper has directed a couple of scenes and, and then they have to go and get Paul back. And this is, I'm not making any of this up. This is all on the, oh, yeah, making, yeah. This is all on the little making of, um, it's about 15, 20 minutes long. And uh, yeah, so he uh, it, it wasn't right for Doctor Who because, he, because of the way it was made then. But I, I like the fact that he's trying to be ambitious and make Doctor Who look good in his, you know, his vision. He's trying to make a feature film, basically. But you just can't do that. You just got to get in and and shoot it. So, but what a, yeah, I mean, what a fraught, what studio. a faff around. Yeah. yeah, what a faff around. You can can you imagine Tom Alala in the middle of all this? I bet, but they were doing poor old Adricks probably, poor old Matthews probably. Sat on K9 in the studio going, oh, I don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> well, yeah, oh. because uh, we know we've spoken about over the last couple of weeks as we've spoken about Tom and Lala and their joint dislike of Matthew Waterhouse to a degree. Yeah. There's a few bits in the ep- in this serial where they snap at him as characters, tell him to shut up. He's probably got that behind the scenes as well from them too. So, yeah, probably, you know, poor Matt, he's probably thinking, wow, my dream job to work on Doctor Who. I've nothing but been shouted at and nagged at and told to go away. <laughs> what I, a disaster, I, I, yeah. A disaster. I think Lala's quite harsh to Matthew, actually. There's a couple of bits where she really snaps at him, and it says in the production notes, um, we think that was more Lala than Romana, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking, yeah, she's really like not taken to Matthew at all. Um, but if you look at it from a character point of view as well, I feel a bit sorry for Adric. His brother's just died at the hands of a marshman completely forgotten about you know they're just there's no sympathy for the doctor or romana at all you know they're not sort of treating him with kid gloves and oh you take a rest adric your brother's just died go and <laughs> go and then find a room in the tardis and you know chill out mate yeah it'll all be fine no they're snapping at him <laughs> shouting at him exactly yeah, yeah. And there's also he doesn't really get to do much acting oh, in no, his first doesn't. few stories either because no. this one there's a there's a loads of filler little pickup shots where it's just him like Matthew walk here we've marked your spot walk to the little x on the floor flip the coin oh the coin look pensive walk off he does that about half a dozen times because they need to yeah. fill there that they go up a little bit and very little to do doesn't he yeah and in terms of actual lines and stuff like that uh, again he's just not really in it a great deal even the, he's quite he's better in this than he was in the other two ones i think he's oh, yeah. settled down just yeah. a little bit like there's no he more has. of this weird strut as he walks around this mm. nervous sort of walk and the interactions with him and and lala ward are quite cool even though she's a bit snappy he's uh he's quite chill you know maybe that's just youth i guess versus uh tom and, and lala he, he does seem a bit chill and you know he's not too bad but yeah i mean to sort of Production weirdness aside and, and all that lot, I can't say that I enjoyed it too much, I'll be honest with you. No, just, fair enough. I mean, I can understand that. Yeah, just because there was nothing really that grabbed me that I thought, wow, it's going to get tasty now, or wow, this is a real big um, uh, sort of scene coming up where it's going to be a showdown between uh, the Doctor and the crew people from uh, from the slave ship and and that stuff, or even these weird skeleton androidy things you know, mm. they troubled the doctor for a minute or two and he just walked away and 
ran away and then went through the mirror and and also the the, um, the Tharal people, you know, the lion looking dudes. Yeah. Um they were a bit sort of uppity, I found them, like the bit where they're all round the table having a bite to eat. And he's basically saying, you know, we're we're awesome, you're not. <laughs> That's yeah. the sort of vibe you get from them. So yeah, there was nothing really that I thought, ah, oh, it's gonna be cool. Actually, the in a similar way to I think it was um State of Decay, I think the early story treatment for this story, what it was going to be, uh I think might have been a better story. So I think the ori- the original treatment for it and stuff was it was going it was gonna be more of a um more of a sort of a political thriller thing set on Gallifrey. And it was going to be more of a proper send off for Lala. She's back on her home planet, blah, blah, blah. So oh, wow. uh, it was more, it was more going to address the thing. Like you you were just sort of a temporary companion for the doctor to go and find the key to time. You did that. You're now back doctor. See you later, whatever. And it was going to be more around that stuff. So that sounded like it would have been more of a, a good Lala story send off. Cause I think Lala Ward, she, I think she might have said on something that she really didn't like this story at all for many reasons. But one of the ones, one of the reasons was that she felt her departure was really rushed because you get through the story. And she's, Lala's my favorite character in this one. I think she had a really good story in this one. She's in it a lot. She's, like you said, the techno babble is all good. And the way she interacts with not just the doctors, Tom, even though they had a bit of a, they were still. Even though they had separate hotel rooms, obviously, um, she's yeah, she has a good interaction with uh, with the other cast members. She's very strong in this. Really, mm. maybe she just thought, "Sod it, I'm out of here. I'm just going to play it strong and chill." And but you know, because she she plays a decent part, and then at the end of it, it's almost like um, whose companion's departure did we say was like? Oh, um, Tosin Cole and Bradley Walsh. You know, at the end when their departure where you thought, okay, well, it's clearly not them going, but then right at the end, it's like, oh, I'm not coming with you, doctor. I'm just going to stay here. See you later. Bye. Thanks for coming. Yeah. And then the doctor goes off and that's it. It's almost the same with this, with Lala's departure, isn't it? It's like, I'm not coming with you, doctor. I'm going to stay here. And then that Tharal dude's like, yeah, you can, you can be our time Lord. And, uh, and that's it. And there you go. So it was rushed. I feel. It is a strange exit. Um, I mean, obviously I knew it was coming cause I've seen it before, but, there's no real build up to it. And I mean, there's plenty of room in the story to, to build up to that. I think they could have made much more of, you know, we're going to need a time Lord to stay or, you know, they could have really built that up. And I don't really understand why they did it like that. And I know Lala wasn't pleased. She, she says on the um, making of that she had a furious row with JNT mm-hmm. about her departure and the, the way it was written um, so I'm surprised that even after that, even after the big row, that they didn't sort of say, well, yeah, we'll add in a few bits. Don't worry. Because it is sudden, isn't it? She's just like, I'm not coming. And the doctor's like, okay, then we'll take K9 and bye. Yeah. And that's it. Well, that's, that's the other thing. Yeah. K9 is, goes, uh, yeah. he, he doesn't have a good story. Bless him, does he? Oh, no. He well, goes through the no. mill on this one. He gets blown up at the beginning when the the time winds come through the TARDIS and he yeah. He blows up and then throughout the story he just conks out and then behind the mirror he's not too bad, but he's going on like some sort of crazy lunatic dog. And then he's <laughs> I don't all know right. Again. Something in this. Yeah. Oh, the, yeah. <laughs> and then he's on it again and then he's broken down again. And at the end, it's um 
Oh, he gets thrown away, didn't he? That crew member picks him up and lobs oh, him. Oh, that's harsh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and at the end, the doctor's like, well, take him then, see you later. And he's off. It's all very, like, the, the departure for them is it's all very rushed and weird, but bless K9. John Leeson's probably thought, bloody hell. Me you're making me go through it, aren't you, on my last story? Yeah, Crikey. he really does go through it, you're right. I mean, you were saying about the production being a bit lazy as well earlier, weren't you, saying, you know, you could the shot wasn't lined up properly. And when canines uh, got smoke bellowing out of him, you can see the big white tube yeah. to the left of him <laughs> pumping the smoke. And it's, it's pretty lazy, actually, because, I mean, that could have so easily been... You'd only got to move the camera a bit to the right so that canine's body sort of concealed the tube. I mean, it, I know what you mean. It, considering that how long Paul Joyce was taking to, to do each shot, and you, then you've got a blimmin' great big smoke tube Mm-hmm. in shot i mean i can see why people were getting a bit frustrated and stuff but yeah he really goes through it there was um, also, and it is um, a strange exit talking yeah. of like having that stuff on display I've, I've maybe i have noticed this before i'm not sure but there was a scene where the camera pans across the floor of the tardis and you know the roundels on the yeah. on the bottom near the floor they've got just half roundels yeah on one of them there's a there's a gap of a few inches Oh, I, yeah, Did, yeah. And I thought... The, the wires go through it. Yeah. The console. <laughs> and I thought, yeah. have I seen that before? I can't remember. It must be there, I guess. But yeah, they do no... There's no attempt to hide because they've put some white tape or strip down to, you know... To, it is very noticeable, yeah. yeah. to bring the wires from the, cent- the centre console over to the edge of the set. You can tell that. But then instead of drilling like a nice little hole feeding the wires through and then putting some something around it to mask it out. They've literally just thought, right, we'll just like the TARDIS. You can just raise the wind, like just raise the window. We'll pop the cables through there. Oh, it's a big gap there. Sod it. <laughs> this is the, <laughs> it's the end of the East space trilogy. Sod it. No one's going to notice. There's some good yeah. stuff though. Let's talk about some good stuff. We don't want to destroy the story for the whole review, but no, there, there no. is some, there is some good things. The you could tell that they were quite experimental with some of the effects. Did you think it was a problem, um, an error in the filming, or did you get that it was like a phase shift kind of effect as they were in the TARDIS a few times? There's a bit where the 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 actors oh. go a bit blurry and it sort of fades yeah. in and out. I was like, uh, no, that's a, an intentional thing because it does it at various moments throughout the story, and then they did certain things with um, this bit where the Doctor's walking. And it's it, he leaves like a sort of echo, I suppose, behind him. I liked that effect. And the Tharrell does it as well. And there's mm. another bit when they're outside; it's all black and white, and but the Doctor's in color and yeah, you I know, love that, that stuff. stuff. So they did some cool. They tried to do some cool effects, uh, which wasn't too bad. I imagine John Nathan Turner's like, "Oh bloody hell! Not only are we behind with a on-set shoot, and he wants to do all these effects." I can imagine his uh, his frown oh, the, at that. But the coin effect, I think, drove them nuts. I think he spent. <laughs> Hours at the beginning. See what it is. Apparently, that took forever to get that blimmin' coin shot. But uh, (laughs) but no, I I love the black and white photograph stuff because it's so simple. Yeah, just a black and white photograph. But then you key the actor in in color, and for once, the you know the edging around the actor doesn't look too bad for the time because you know there are certain shots in Doctor Who where they do that similar sort of effect, and it's a great big fuzzy line around them, and it looks dreadful and. I don't know if it's just because the photographs are black and white, it conceals it better or what, but those shots I think look really, really nice. They're, they're just unusual. And my favourite one's just the, the very first one where Tom 
is sort of looking at the camera about to walk through a gate. It's a really yeah. odd shot. Yeah. Like, what is he looking at? I think what he's supposed to be looking at is I think he's supposed to have just come through the mirror, maybe. But it's almost as if he's looking for them to say go. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. I really love that shot of him walking through the gate. So those shots are good. I didn't like the TARDIS bit, though, that you were talking about. The juddery, because that, it's sort of, it's subtle. So you're not sure, like you said, you could quite easily mistake that for being um, an error on the, you know, a, a fault on the camera or something. Because if you're watching this on VHS, for example, back in the good old days, I would think that was a problem. I would think, oh, no, the tape's faulty. Like, because exactly, you yeah. used to get that effect yeah. on the VHS. And mm-hmm. if you got a tape, sometimes um, it wouldn't play properly and it would look a bit like that. Like the picture was just jumping about a bit. So I didn't like that effect, but the rest of it I did. I like, really like the echo effect. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty cool. Again, really simple idea, but it's nice, works well. It was yeah. cool, actually. Yeah. It was, yeah. Well, you, you could at least tell that they wanted to do some cool stuff. It wasn't just uh, let's just have the doctor walk casually across across the set and that'll be it at least they tried to do something a bit more because I, I, I think back in back in the day i think people did expect i and i can't i don't know the percentage of it but i imagine there was a, a quite a, few, a high number of people that back in the 70s and 80s these effects were arguably quite good for tv back then yeah i would think so and then as time's gone on and that technology has progressed and we look back we have these classic sayings don't we about classic Doctor Who wobbly sets, bad visual mm. effects and that stuff. But I think sometimes without those things, the the stories can feel a little bit flat visually. Yeah. So even though some of them are a bit ropey, I think we need them to a degree because that's what makes classic Who Who. That makes sense. No, no, it, it does make yeah. sense. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm just amazed that, um, so Paul Joyce said to Jane C., uh, yeah, I just need to need some expenses because I've got to go down to Paris and that, not sure how you say it, Paris Castle in Wales, mm-hmm. Paris, however you say it, uh, to take some photos. And they're like, yeah, okay then. I mean, sh- they must have got some photos they could have used in the <laughs> archive. But now old Joyce goes off for a little jolly weekend to take some photographs to use in this production. I'm just amazed at that. You know, they must have had photographs they could have used. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think, no. well, maybe because they were specific angles, though, like especially the Very bit where true. Yeah, the doctor okay, on the... the yeah. And uh, what's his name? What's the guy? What's the lion? The lead lion? Uh, Laszlo. Uh, Birok. Uh, oh, Birok, sorry, yeah. Yeah, when the Doctor and Birok are walking on that path in the gardens of wherever that is, yeah. that to me looks like a specific angle, specific shot, because if they didn't get that right, then they couldn't match the, the actor's footsteps and their uh, okay. range of motion. I'll let, I'll let him off. Let him off for that fact, one. It's yeah. just the fact he said he took his wife down there for the weekend <laughs> to take photographs. That's what it says. And I thought, wow, that's a nice little jolly weekend. But no, you could be right. I suppose he needed to see what he was going to yeah. shoot. So yeah, fair play. And the photos do look great. I have to be honest. They really suit what's going on in the story because they're so unusual, aren't they? Mm. Yeah. So, Very okay. Unusual. Fair enough. <laughs> but that was cool though, the effects. It was, uh, yeah, it was like quite it, cool. Yeah. And the miniature work wasn't too bad. The uh, the the slave ship, that looks pretty yeah, sweet as a miniature, yeah, and right, uh, it? it looked a lot better than the TARDIS miniature. That's for sure. <laughs> I didn't think the TARDIS was too bad, but that's I like I like <laughs> I like the uh, gateway as well. Again, it's so simple, mm. isn't it? Because it's just a well, it's just like a ruin, isn't it? It's not even a finished. Yeah, and again, it, yeah. you'd think I don't know, you'd think that could so easily look dreadful, but it's so simple that it, for me anyway, it kind of works. I, I like quite like the model of that. Yeah, it looks very cool. It's, yeah, like you said, it's a ruined sort of old Gothic 
archway thing. And, yeah. And even inside, the set it, it's quite consistent with the other stories. It looks like it could be the interior for what we watched last week for State of Decay. It looked like it, they could be very similar internal locations. They've got this oldy, medieval, gothic kind of feel to them, which is kind of cool. Yeah, it's a good set, I thought. For the, not bad at all. Yeah. The only set I wasn't fond of is the on, on the slave ship. So you know you said about the 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 bridge, the main bridge area that's got the steps yeah, and stuff. Condemned. Yeah, yeah, so they were only allowed two people at any one time on there because <laughs> the BBC inspectors were like, this is unsafe. Like if you put more than two people up there, it's probably going to come down. Good grief. So, and also it just wasn't lit very well and it was very... I found all the, <laughs> it's hard to be critical, but I found all the colours to be really bland and very beige and dark greeny cabbage colour. And yeah. it just didn't look appealing. You know, if you were a, a, a crewman on that ship, you'd be like, crikey, I can't wait to get home. Maybe that was why they're all so tetchy, but yeah, it just didn't look like an appealing set. That's all. Yeah. No, it, it didn't. I think that's why. I mean, that's why I think the rest of the other parts of the episode look good, even though they're really stark and simple. Um, they they just work a lot better because I agree that that spaceship set just it looks so cobbled together. You can imagine they were just like it just looks like it's cobbled together from lots of other episodes. Dot two. Like let's get those um get those flats up as the spaceship wall and oh let's have those stairs over from such and such an episode. I don't know. It did look really cobbled together. And it isn't shot very well. I mean, I, Paul Joyce is really proud of that opening shot. You know, he, he says on the making of it, he, he, you know, he thought that was great. He's like, yeah, this is going to, re- you know, I wanted to get the viewers drawn in straight away with this opening shot. And I'm thinking, I don't know, mate, even mm. back in the day, I don't think that would have, because I was just like, thinking, God, this is going on. <laughs> and it's not, like you said, it's not a good enough set to really grab you in that way, is it? Maybe if the set had looked better. It's yeah. just, yeah, it's just a, you know, a mess. <laughs> yeah. Um, Positives, but... positive though. So I'm going to yeah. go back to positives. Good cliffhangers, I thought. Oh, very good. Yeah, the best one for me was when Lala was about to get her ass whipped by one yeah. of the Tharrells. But it turns the, out he was just... When she got the big yeah. old headphones on. Yeah, but it turns out he was just going to help her. Bless him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but it was good, though. What's the other cliffhanger? The doctor about to get an axe... Oh yeah, well, did that you? Um, quite good. In actually, when when we start though, episode three, and we see that sequence properly, <laughs> little little guff wasn't there where um the axe does its thing, but then it falls on Tom's on the back of his neck or on the oh, on his shoulder yeah, or something, and you can see that it's like a paper mache <laughs> <laughs> axe or something because he just sort of looks up like oh all right. oh I didn't yeah. notice that I'll yeah tell, it's I'll quite funny yeah but it's a good cliffhanger though. Yeah, good, to I'm it. trying to yeah. think. What's the other cliffhanger? Because I did did think the cliffhangers were good. What's the other? I think the other one was. Is this a cliffhanger? Because uh, yeah, there's no. Lala, Lala, and the big headphones, yeah. the axe. Um, oh, I can't think what the other one was. Maybe it wasn't as good. Yeah, well, the the end of episode one that was the axe swing. Um, yeah. that's about to decapitate uh, the doctor. At the end of episode two, it was Lala screams as the. Daryl's hand, you know, is about to, you think she's going to be attacked. The end of episode three. Um, this will be the point of the podcast. We always have this in the podcast where the listeners will be screaming yeah. at us. Um, yeah, at the end of episode three. Oh, yeah. So the um, 
Rorvik and the other crew members are in the the archway in the the big dining hall thing and yes. uh, the robots come in and they start having a tear up and then all of a sudden the doctor and Romana just appear out of nowhere and uh and then the Rorvik surrounds them and that's it really so it's not as good as cliffhangers oh, it's not the as other good. Two, yeah so i do remember yeah. that. that's when adric gets the big old the uh, <laughs> cannon or whatever it's supposed to be the big old laser it looks like a big satellite dish doesn't it yes and he's like stop or yeah. i'll shoot this thing oh yeah oh yes it's all coming back to me now yeah and even then uh romana's like what were you doing stupid child know, sort of thing I'm and he was grateful. like i was saving you saving your I'm life grateful, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's talk about some crew some crew members some cast mm. members so rovik then who's the head honcho of uh of the the slave ship mm. uh He's not a bad actor, you know. He's gone on to do some other things. He was quite cool. He was in, um, he was in Inspector Morse. He was quite cool oh, in, yeah. that, in Crown Court and stuff like that. He went on to do those, um, those kind of things. But he popped up really briefly in a Pirates of the Caribbean film. Oh, that's random. Back in 2011, yeah. Blimey. I didn't recognise him then, but according to uh, according to Wiki, but he's still with us, you know. He's 91. Is he really? Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, old Clifford. But there was one scene that had me in stitches, dude. That's a pause. Oh, I know. I bet I know what it was. <laughs> <laughs> he's up on the balcony or something. <laughs> and I think he's, yeah, he's kind of looking at the camera, but quite not. You know, he's looking sort of right beside it. But you could almost excuse that he's probably wanting to talk, speak to the viewer. But um, he's doing this really, uh, so, uh, what's the best way to describe it? Evil cackle. He's doing like an evil character, like a typical evil. Um, I'm revealing my evil plan to the viewer, and the doctor <laughs> will never find out. And, but he does this thing where he's like, <laughs> things are changing, and <laughs> I'll destroy this doctor. And it's it's really funny. And he does this weird laugh in between, but does. he doesn't do a proper laugh. The only thing that changes is the sound coming out of his mouth. His face doesn't change to signify that he's got this evil laugh going on he's got this weird twitch in his eye and he's staring i mean it's quite intense it's it's quite cool yeah. but mate i had to pause it because i was like ah, right i'm gonna go make a cup of tea because i'm cracking up laughing and if i carry <laughs> on cracking up laughing i'm not going to hear the next bit and because this story is so bafflingly weird as it is if i miss or don't hear some of it i'm going to be really lost so at that point i had to pause it and go and put the kettle on and Come back to oh, it, mate. That's I did up. think that was hilarious. I knew you'd be finding <laughs> that funny. His best evil cackle. It's like, no, come on, Clifford. You've got you've got better more in you. Let's have your best evil laugh. Whoa, oh, 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 oh. Yeah. <laughs> it always sounds yeah. yeah. I know. I thought it was funny as well. <laughs> it was amazing, though. But he was um one thing I will say, oh mate, I hate to go back to negatives, but all the I found all the actors, the supporting actors for these for the, the slave ship were not good, man. There was one dude as well. I don't know his character name. He's the one that picks up K-9 and just hoys him across the set. And Packard, I think. Kenneth Packard, Clark. probably, yeah. Mm. yeah. I didn't find he was very good. Like the way that... It, it was almost like he was fresh out of acting school because the way that he was delivering his lines didn't match what how the other actors were talking to him for m- most of the time. You're about the guy with the grey hair, yeah? Not much hair at all. Yeah, yeah. All right, yeah, no, I'm just checking because, yeah. yeah, I mean, Kenneth Cope, again, I mean, I agree with you, but he, he's done loads, you know, and I expected better from him because <laughs> um, I think, I, again, it, it's either that they're not into it 
or they just were baffled by the story or maybe the tension on set. I don't know. Cause I'm surprised that Kenneth Cope is not better than he is in this. He's I've seen him in lots of other things and he's a, he's a good actor. And he sort of often plays that sort of uh, fine line between sort of a cheeky chappy, you know, he's normally that sort of, he's a bit of a rogue, but he's a likable rogue. He often plays that sort of character. So I, he could have been a, a, you know, he could have been a lot better in this. So I'm surprised at, at Kenneth Cope. He, he's not bad, but he's, there was a better performance in him. And I thought the same of Clifford Rose, to be honest. I thought, got two actors here that are quite established. You know, they've done quite a bit of TV work up to this point. And yeah, uh, yeah. they're not really going for it. it. They don't, it's a bit half, oh, I was going to swear there, but it's a bit, their performance is a bit flat. It's a bit, yeah. You just yeah. feel like, come on, guys, put a bit of effort in. Yeah, especially Kenneth Cope. I mean, this was coming off yeah. the back of him being in some carry-on films and, Oh, he was in Lowe's, mate, Kenneth Cope. Minder and... Yeah. Like, like some, you know, he, it's not like this was his first time in front of the cameras and, and an experienced actor. He'd been in loads of things from the early 50s or the mid-50s was when he was first acting. So by this point, he'd been in loads of things and was quite experienced. And even Kenneth Cope is still with us. He's 90. Is he still with us? Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah, I mean, he's retired. Retired years ago, but, you know, he's still with us, which is awesome. But yeah, uh, I'm sorry, Kenneth, but... Yeah, I don't know. It's just the way that he delivered his lines to other actors didn't sync for some reason. Like there would be Rorvik saying something like, well, we need to go down and inspect the, uh, the Tharrells and see what they're up to for argument's sake. And Kenneth would be like, well, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, why are you, like, why are you shouting at him? Like he's, I don't know. It's weird. Like the way he was responding to people, it was like, yeah, it was weird. It was like uh, two two different, as if they were doing two different performances. Exactly, they weren't yeah. gelling, basically. Yeah. Paul Joyce is probably like, "Look, Kenneth, mate, need a bit more. Just shout." <laughs> I it think a Paul bit Joyce more. was just having a mental. <laughs> it was cracking up at this point. Yeah. I mean, I, actually, I mean, I thought I know they weren't great. I didn't think they were bad, but I did. They weren't great either. But they were better than the guy with the beard. He was. I mean, he was really <laughs> lame. Oh, the, work, like the guy who's carrying around the big box. Oh, the, he carried around the navigation tool Yeah, that was the size oh. of a small human on the front of him. Like there's, It's like a Yoda pouch. Yeah, I mean, come on. There's, what, what else is in that thing? <laughs> um, prob- probably a brandy bottle, I should think. A bottle of brandy or something. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. It was that, yeah, that was confusing. I'm thinking, yeah. what is that? It's like a massive thing. Like the size of a good camping backpack, yeah. You would normally whack on your back with a yoga mat on it, just on his front, and it's got a tiny little display on the top. I was like, "That's that's prop design for you. That's prop design." But he was rubbish. I mean, there's a bit when he was rubbish. He was rubbish. There's a bit when Borak sort of has to push past him, and he sort of looks. He's I think he's trying to look dazed or something. Yes. He just sort of stands. There's no sort of performance at all really mm. yeah I, I just thought he was really weak <laughs> what, what do you think of the um double act in this as well again uh, for me personally a, a missed opportunity to bring a bit of fun to this wacky story like uh, what were they called aldo and aldo oh, i wrote and it i wrote it down because I, I knew i'd forgot what was it aldo and royce is it i think it's it's either aldo and royce or aldo aldo and laszlo i think no, I think Laszlo's one of the line guys. I think it's Aldo and Royce. I did write it down. Oh, I knew sorry, I yeah. So Birok, Laszlo and, and um, Gundam, they were the... Um, see him in those, yeah. Yeah, they were the three 
um, Tharrells. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, I think you're right, mate. Aldo and Royce. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think? Because for me, I thought they 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 could have been quite a fun sort of bit of light relief in this story. But again, the actors just seemed really lab. You know, laboured, but not very good. <laughs> you can see what they were going for. Yeah, could, exactly. Yeah, you yeah. could see the potential was there. It's not but, not well executed on set in front yeah. of the camera. Yeah, maybe in rehearsals they were like, "Oh, this is going to be quite funny and jolly and a bit of light relief." But when it came to it, <laughs> maybe I I I, re, I strongly believe, mate, that all of the production problems, Tom and Lala going at it, and just I I I honestly feel like it just cast a bit of a bad vibe over the filming on this one. Yeah, that and the directions drama I mean, yeah it just seems troubled yeah. the whole thing doesn't if, it you think about it from a supporting actor's point of view you've been cast in an episode or a story of doctor who so you're probably thinking oh wow doctor who's popular show it's going to be great and then when you get there you've got tom and lala fighting all the time you've got tom that's just quite ill at this point as well and he's not really feeling it because that's another thing you're like wow i get to work with tom baker and doctor who is going to be cool and he's not really feeling it he's not in a good mood he's ill he's fighting with lala You've got this annoying little kid running around and then you've got the director fighting with the producer and it's all crap. Mm. And then you've got strikes and sets being shut down. So you probably thought, yeah, a bit of a dark cloud, I would say. So the the supporting actors are a bit like, yeah, not really feeling it. There's just no oomph is there at times. There's no oomph. Yeah. I think that's the thing. There's no oomph oomph from those guys. Yeah. Yeah. It could have been a good double act though. I think I like a double act in who, Robert Holmes is always good at writing a double act. Yes. Yeah. And they can be good. It can be effective. If it's done right, it can be that just the right amount of comic relief. But yeah. Who's the guy that comes in at the end as well? Because he comes in and he starts operating on one of the bear creatures, whatever they're called. And, he, and, then, and again, there's a, there are a good couple of horror moments when they're, you know, like the thing twitching on the bed and, and stuff. There's a couple of, good little moments like that which are quite creepy and you know that, that sort of classic who horror feel to it um but there's a bit at the end yeah where one's going mad because he started to yeah know, do something to it but um i didn't know who that guy was uh, uh sort of seemed to appear out of nowhere he was probably in it before i probably just didn't notice him he was in it yeah he wasn't in a couple of scenes but he didn't yeah what was he doing to the thing at the end like what were they trying to do well i think they were trying to wake them up so that they could because from what I gather, the because the Tharals are sort of time sensitive, I guess they can navigate through space and time. Yeah, um, I think they were they were trying to get them plugged into the ship that so they could navigate their way out of out of whatever they were in this void right. thing. But because whatever for whatever reason, either a technical issue or something, it was blowing the circuits, wasn't it? And things just weren't weren't happening. So I think um, I think. Rorvik was just like, well, wake them all up, you know, plug them all in and see which one's working. It's a bit horrible, really, a bit dark, that. Yeah, it was a bit dark, yeah. Yeah, they're essentially slaves and they were just killing them one by one until one of them, well, injuring them, should I say, until they they, they worked. So, yeah, a bit dark, that. But, yeah, the the crew member that starts doing that stuff, uh, yeah, he has a good death, though. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he he does, yeah, yeah. A good death. If you're going to be in Doctor Who for a short time, you want a you want a good death. Yeah. <laughs> you cross the live and neutral wires. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because that was a. I mean, that was a quite a good shot actually, wasn't it? Where you saw the wires touch the chair. I mean, that again, quite 
uh, close to the to the knuckle. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What did you think to the actors playing the the Tharals then? So, what about Birok then, David Weston? Well, it's a bit quite theatrical, wasn't it? Theatrical, <laughs> he just struck yeah. me as someone that would be better suited on the theatre stage, but I, I didn't think it was bad. It kind of suited it in a way. But I mean, I like all the stuff they do. You know, like he connects very well with Lala, doesn't he? Yeah, uh, with with Romana, I should say, and you know all the sort of hand touching and all that sort of stuff was quite a nice little touch. Um, yeah, no, I thought it was all right. I mean, gosh, he's under all that stuff, and he still delivered a fairly decent performance under all that mask and mm-hmm. hair. Um, no, I thought I thought David Watson Western, sorry, was uh, not too bad. Same for um, Laszlo, the other guy, the other Laszlo and Gundam, the other two. Yeah, yeah, they were all right. Just again, a bit like everything else in this, just a little bit, mm. seemed a little bit flat. Yeah, a bit flat. Uh, yeah, I've seen worse. <laughs> Birok was okay though. He was just a bit, like you said, theatrical at times. Well, I'm just thinking of the scene where he first steps into the TARDIS and he sort of delivers this: "I am the future and I'm the past" and all this sort of stuff and. I don't know. It was a bit weird, really. A bit, mm. bit theatrical in a way. There were some scenes where he, he was written to be that way, I think, and it was a bit weird. Well, where yeah, yeah. He's saying to the doctor, that I think the doctor's trying to get out of him, like, you know, what's going on? Mm. And he's like, Birok says something like, you are nowhere, or this is your past, or something, you know, and it's all very cryptic and and weird. And he delivers those lines with a bit of, a, a bit of the old theatre mode going on, but that's what I felt. Not yeah. too bad though, otherwise. But yeah, I mean the supporting cast in general, I'm not really impressed with. I think Rorvik, Clifford Rose, he goes for it a couple of times. And that's about it. He's just generally <laughs> annoying the rest of the time. And then the other crew members, again, Kenneth Cope. Sorry guys, I don't know, he just didn't connect with me. He didn't it didn't felt he didn't feel like he connected with the other actors. So that doesn't connect with you as the viewer then as a result. So mm. yeah. Uh, we've spoken about Tom and Lala. And uh, so we say goodbye to Lala then. So in a nutshell, not the best send off for, for Lala Ward Romana, but, and again, John Leeson says goodbye. K9 does the off kind of a little mini reset as we come out of the East space trilogy mm. and Tom's era progresses a little bit more, a little bit more. I, I didn't realize this was the story where Tom decided to leave either. I, I, I mean, this is quite close. He's only got a couple of stories left too. Is it? Two, yeah. Well, so, well, so I didn't realise yeah. they left it that late for Tom to say, "Oh, I think I'll be off." And Jay and Tim was like, "Okay," because <laughs> I think that you know, famously, Tom was surprised how quickly Jay and T took his resignation, sort of thing. Um, but I didn't realise. Yeah, it was during the story Tom decided uh, he was going to do the off. I, I mean, it seems really late in the day. You know, this sort of—I mean, nowadays this sort of stuff would be planned before they even start to film. The next season, you'd be like, "Oh, Tom's leaving at the end of this season," but you'd know that right at the start, wouldn't you? Because you'd be already planning the next Doctor. So for him to say, "I'm leaving," I've got two stories left. Oh, all right then. And so late in the day, I was quite surprised by that. Yeah. I mean, whether it's because Lala was going and John Leeson, and you know, he'd been the Doctor for quite a few years now. I mean, it does feel like you can see why he decided it was probably time he went. But I think he was still surprised how quick JNT was like, okay. Mm. Well, I think it was a combination of, from Tom's point of view, he was probably like, this is just rubbish. I'm not really enjoying doing this thing at the minute because I'm just feeling like crap. I'm ill. 
I've got earache over here. I've got the old glockenspiel. Mm. Old Lala just doing a nut every five minutes. And maybe he just thought at this moment in time, just not really enjoying it. You can tell that although he's, although he's still good and he does still, he does still give a decent performance. It's not the usual Tom from, from the previous series, is it? It's not no, the usual. No, it's not. So he probably thought at the time, you know, it's just rubbish. It's just, yeah, John, I'm, I'm out of here, mate. Yeah. Mm. And from John Nathan Turner's point of view, he's probably like, well, that's not actually a bad thing because I've got my own ideas about where I want to take the show and the character and you're just too difficult and too stubborn to, to try and invoke any kind of change. Mm. So if you're going to go, that's actually not a bad thing. You've been around for a while anyway. Let's get a new doctor in and then we can start making some changes to the show. So from, from his point of view, he's probably like, well, it's actually a blessing in disguise. Hate to see you go, but this is now a good a good way to get some changes made. Because you know Tom wouldn't have gone for some of the stuff that happened in Davison era. He wouldn't have gone for that stuff. So No, and I would imagine JNT, because uh, I, I think I'm right in saying this is his first, season 18 is his first year of production, isn't it? Although he's sort of been around doing other bits. I think this is the first year he was producer on the show. I think I'm right in saying that. So yeah, like you said, he's probably itching to sort of, you know, have a, you know, have this a clean slate, if you like, yeah. and his own doctor and and Tom, yeah, probably a bit difficult to work with at this point. So yeah, JNT was probably not didn't snatch his hand off, but was probably quietly relieved <laughs> that he could get his his own doctor on the screen, I would think. Yeah. You know? Probably like, oh, you going, are you? <laughs> oh, Tom. That's bad, isn't it? Right, well, I've got to run. And then as he sort of ushers Tom out the door and shuts the door, Tom can just hear like a champagne bottle popping and he's on the phone. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Poor but, old Tom. Old Tom, yeah. But but, apparently, yeah. yeah, I was going to say, apparently they were down the pub together after Tom had told him. They, were down, went, they thought they'd go down the pub. And, you know, because I think, although they had a bit of a sort of, uh, their relationship was, there was quite a lot of friction between JNT and, and Tom. There was also a sort of respect. And I think they got on all right outside of work for you know a bit uh, but yeah they were down the pub when the news sort of was leaked or broke and so tom was rushed mm. from the pub to to make the announcement and i think that's where we get that really somber you now that really somber interview with him where he's by the tardis in his pinstripe suit and he's really just doesn't yeah, look like he wants yeah. to be there i have a feeling that might be from yeah where he'd, he'd been down the pub with jnt just chewing over the fat and they're yeah. like, oh, God, it's been leaked, so we need to make an announcement. Well, precisely, yeah. yeah. You could just tell that Tom wasn't in that headspace at this time no. to oh, be fully awesome. enjoying it. Mm. If you rewind time, go back to his previous seasons or series, and not just him in front of the camera, but any interviews that he did and turning up at the kids' school and having a good crack with all the kids. And then you can tell that he was just on fire, like he was yeah. loving it, you know. And Although he was difficult at times... He was still, I don't know, whereas in this one, this this series especially, just doesn't seem to have that same glow about him. It, it does feel like things are winding down. So yeah, we've got definitely. two stories left in Tom's era. Yeah, and obviously Lala leaving, K-9, and you know that Tom's, you know, out of it after two more stories. So it, it definitely fit, And the more somber tone, the darker costume, it all feels like it's sort of headed in, the, in that direction. But And that sort of feels quite natural which is i think why i'm surprised that it was sort of this late in the day that he said to jnt oh, I'm, I'm off 
you know, because it already sort of feels like they were heading that way, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, quite understandable. But yeah, it's, it's a strange quick exit for Romana. Um, it kind of works. I kind of like the fact that she's staying to help out the Tharals or whatever they call I can't say it. The Tharals. Tharals, sorry, mm-hmm. yeah. She's staying to help them out, which is kind of cool and she needs K9, so that all works. I always thought, well, why am I getting confused? I always thought that after Romana walked off, and the doctor had given K9 to I always thought he he said, I suppose we're gonna miss Romana. But I must be confusing that with something else. I was waiting for that line. Mm. You know, when he puts his hands against the doors. Or is it Leela? Suppose we're gonna miss Lee. No, I don't know. No. But I was waiting I for know. a line that wasn't there, and I must be getting it confused with uh, another story, because he doesn't really say anything, does he? He just gets an entirely and and uh, he's with Adric. He's probably thinking, oh no. Mm, he's thinking, oh yeah. <laughs> Got, right. <laughs> where can I drop Adric off? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. No, I'm not sure what that line. So I mean, it, it sounds familiar though. It rings a bell, but yeah, it's driving me mad. Trying to say this is another moment when the the listeners will be screaming at me. But I'm just trying to. I thought he turned the door shut, and he said, "I suppose we're going to miss Romana." That sounds more like a Davison line to me. Oh no, it's no, it's Tom. Is I can Tom? see him doing it. But yeah, anyway, someone will let us know. One of the yeah, listeners. Of will let us know. Yeah. Uh, lastly, for me, mate, on my notes, is uh, I thought the music was quite good. Still yeah. going down this synthy kind of electronic sounding route, which is kind of cool. Peter Hell doing some music on this one. I liked the music. Yeah. I thought it was Paddy Keenchland again because it got that, like you said, that electronic synthy sound. But yeah, Peter Hell. Yeah, it's good. I liked it. It's good. Yeah, not too bad. Have you got anything else on your notes, bud? Not really. No. <laughs> okay. I think it's me to go first. I'm going to give this a six out of ten. <laughs> I thought you'd be around a six. I'm, I'm going to score this the same as I have the the rest of the Space Trilogy, a seven point five. Um, I've just enjoyed them all on the same level, even though what I do like about this trilogy is that every story has been quite different. I mean, this is a million miles away from Full Circle, and it's totally different state of the case. So I lo- I kind of like them as three very different stories. Um, and I think they've got their own merit. So, but I like them equally. So it's a seven point five. Okay, cool, cool. Mm. Right. What did our awesome listeners think then? Uh, actually, if you could rate the space trilogy, would you give it a seven point five? I assume. Yeah, I, yeah. I've rated right. everyone. Yeah, so I would. Yeah, sort of seven point five. Yeah. Okay. I'd rate the whole trilogy as probably a six point five. Oh, really? That's quite a bit low. Not can't push you to a seven. All three of them. Um, higher than the seven. Higher than the seven. Well, I gave full circle a six. State oh, of Decay a six. Um, actually, I've given them all a six. Oh, so it's a six. I thought I gave um, State of Decay a seven. Anyway, yeah, I'll probably give it a six or a 6.5 as a trilogy. Uh, one thing that I wouldn't advise is, so, like I said earlier, if you've just jumped into Doctor Who or you've discovered our podcast and you want to start watching classic Doctor Who and you've obviously heard that Tom Baker's era is very good, please don't pick up the E-Space trilogy box set as your first... <laughs> <laughs> entry point into the doctor the fourth doctor era because you can buy this as the yeah. as the East space trilogy box at least three stories and um please don't do that we wouldn't want you to watch that and then you just don't watch anymore they're not terrible but as you're jumping on point to a classic who or the or tom's era then don't do that but yeah Probably don't look best, what did our awesome listeners think let's kick off with tardisnet 66 i've always remembered this story as being very middle of the road but rewatching it i really didn't like it I like the idea of an intersection between E-Space and N-Space and drifting between timelines. 
But not only does the story just kind of plod along with a lot of pacing issues, the villain's very simplistic with dull performances, and there are no characters you can really empathise with, which can sometimes work, but here it doesn't. The story never really delves into the morality of slave trading, and is very confusing and difficult to follow. I'm someone who really enjoys timey-wimey time travel plots, but here it's done really badly, in a way where there isn't anything rewarding about the format, and Romanus X is disappointing. Her decision to stay behind doesn't feel believable or earned. It makes sense in concept that she would want to stay behind somewhere she can be of good service and value and help others, but it doesn't work in execution, and I think K9 could have had a more heroic exit. I'll give it a 4 out of 10. Oof. Oof. A four. four. Four from TARDIS, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it's very timey-wimey, this one. Yeah. It is a bit, yeah. I agree, and uh, they've been executed better. Mm. Timey-wimey. But yeah, I feel your TARDIS, net A four, though. Crikey. Okay, moving on. This is Sammy from Down Under. Hey, Gary and Adam. Sammy Satine here. So, Warriors Gate. Nice outfit, Romana, too. I was a bit confused at first how a spaceship, the medieval castle setting, and this white space where the TARDIS ended up were connected, but they sorted it. I was amazed to learn on the behind the sofa that the BBC spent a lot of the budget for this story on the lion manes for the time-sensitive barrels. Sort of similar to the Ood, but the Ood aren't tied to a chair and forced to navigate. I'm not sure how I feel about Romana 2 leaving to go save the Tharyl from slavery. I wish Romana would come back. Bye-bye, K9. I give it seven mirror portals out of ten. See ya. Sammy not feeling Lala. No. doing the off, no. And a seven. I'm intrigued by the big finish stuff because I'm assuming... They did like this Gallifrey series with, with Romana, didn't they? Yeah. And I'm assuming yeah. it's set after this, but yeah, I've never listened to it, but mm. I don't know. Thank you, Sammy. A seven, though. A seven? Not a bad score. This is Mr. Neil Campbell. What about you, fellas? So, Warriors Gate and the culmination of the eSpace trilogy, I would say solid and spectacular, albeit a tad complicated at times. I think it's a decent enough story. And again, it's sort of like a new take on a Doctor Who story. And obviously there was the whole production problems behind the scenes because of the direction that Paul Joyce wanted to take the story. But all in, I think it's good. Um, like I said, if you, if you aren't fully focused on it, you'd probably lose track of what's actually going on. But there are some really nice shots and ideas in it. And I like the bit where the TARDIS is floating, you know, in the black and white area behind the mirrors and the TARDIS is in colour, um, and obviously that's came after Romana's exit, which is a good one, in my opinion, where she's just like, I'm not coming with you, and she's just adamant, and she has to be her own Romana, and I think that's pretty cool. And at the end of the story, whenever Adric says, Romana be alright, and the Doctor says, alright, she'll be superb, I think that's a really, really nice touch, and then obviously you see her walking away with K9, who's also his last story as well. So yeah, it's a solid story. I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. And with the three stories, with the scores I've given, its average is also 7 out of 10 for the Space Trilogy. So there you go. Cheers, fellas. Hope you're well. Thank you. A 7. 7. I'm so glad you reminded me that Tom says that line as well. Yeah, that's what he says, isn't it? She'll find she'll be, she's superb or whatever. Yeah, it's a good, good, what's a good end line? 
Oh, is that what you were Mark. thinking of? Yeah. No, yeah. no, it's not actually. Oh, it's not. But okay. it's, it's a, I still think it's a great, great line, but no, it's not the one I was expecting. <laughs> yeah, it's that <laughs> little bit of um, pride in his voice at the end, which is yeah. cool. Yeah. Okay, Neil. So I think Neil quite likes this one. And the, yeah, although it's a bit complicated, it's a, a solid story, according to Neil, and a seven. And uh, a seven for the, the whole trilogy. So not a bad score there. Cheers, Neil. Uh, moving on, this is Mr. Joe Turner. Now, I didn't entirely understand what happened in Warrior's Gate or understand the plot fully. However, I think the idea of a no-man's land between End Space and East Space is a cool idea. And the Lion Men, Therans I think they are called, were an interesting idea. And I love how they can walk along timelines. Writing a script like this as a finale is a risk. Because you run the risk that it'll be too convoluted, slow and ambitious. But in saying that, whilst it contained all of these and ultimately suffered for it, the first two parts were well-paced and interesting and a bit tense, especially the scenes by the mirror in the gate. The knights guarding the gate were designed exceptionally well. I found Tom and Renard, Romana fantastic together. Adric once again was forgettable and Kane a good nuisance for the awful supporting cast, especially the two Cockney workers who, I don't understand the point of them to be honest. They we just kept flicking back to them for time um, to be filled. The script was actually rather adult, dealing with themes of slavery and some of the deaths were horrific. Finally, Tom was amazing in this. He commanded the scenes and portrayed the emotion and comedy wonderfully. Romana's final scene was lovely and subtly done, unlike in the new series on several occasions. And Tom tops it by saying, she will be superb and it is a lovely way to end. So overall, I'm going to give this episode a 6.5 out of 10 because I respect what it tried to do. And also, I like how it's filmed as well. And it's quite unique in that sort of way. Thank you. It is very unique, Joe. Yeah, nicely summed up, Joe. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's nicely summed up, actually. Yeah, it's, um, you can appreciate what they were trying to do mm. and stuff. Yeah, I'll read you. Uh, so, uh, a seven. Was that a seven from Joe? I don't think he gave a score, did I don't he? Think he oh, okay. I thought he gave a score. Anyway, yeah, but nicely summed up, Joe. Good stuff. Last review is Mr. Seblane. Hello, Gary and Adam. I hope you're all well. So this week on the podcast, we're reviewing Warrior's Gate. Well, I rewatched this one about, ooh, two, three weeks ago. And I don't remember a lot, really. Um, I remember the plot being very confusing. I remember being pretty boring in parts. Well, I say parts, most of it. Um, I just couldn't really get to grips with it at all, really. You know, I tried um, to watch it, but I just kept yawning, I'll be honest. I wasn't sure what was going on. Um, Romana's departure at the end is very weird and rushed and not very well handled, I'd say. Um... But it's okay, you know, that it has some nice moments. Um, but that is literally about it, sadly. I'd give it a 4.5 out of 10. Bye for now. A 4? Oh, 4 from 7. Couldn't get into it. No, Seb, not feeling that one. No. You can kind of see where Seb's um, coming from, though. To a degree, it's just, yeah. yeah. It's, it's just a bit of a difficult watch at times. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Sorry, I can see both sides of it. I can appreciate people that do like it and can appreciate the uniqueness and all that stuff. But at the same time, ah, for me at least, it was a bit of a struggle. Yeah. Yawning a lot, he said. Yeah, yawning. Yeah, that's another fun. <laughs> yeah, another yawn. Yeah. <laughs> yawn fest. I must admit, I did crack the odd yawn myself. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, that's our audio reviews from our lovely listeners. Thank you very much, guys. Much appreciated, as always. Uh, I'm going to move on to the socials now. Over on Twitter, uh, we had Doctor Who Home says, watched this two times, had no idea what was going on, but I enjoyed it. Then watched it a third time when it came out on Blu-ray. Still had no clue what was going on. 
but enjoyed it a little bit more. I will say it looks very nice, though, a 7 out of 10. Chippy T, really like this. The styling is different with phased movement, and we finally learn about eSpace. Tom is excellent, and Adric is what Adric always is, annoying. Uh Uh-oh. With a G, annoying. Nice villains, too. Out of nowhere, Romana says, I'm Ofsky, and is seen no more, which is weird. Yeah. Um, But Chippy T gives it an 8 for its uniqueness. Fair enough. Our writer, Jordan Shortman, says, Not my cup of tea, but I can appreciate the big sci-fi concepts at play. It's a shame that the whole supporting cast look bored stiff because the set design for the spaceship and gateway look great. A rather strange mm. departure for Romano and K9. Good, but not great. Fair Mr. Enough. Dan Pin says, I've watched this one five times and I still don't have a clue what's going on. I, I do love time. the sets, the stone gateway, the banquet hall and the mono 2D backgrounds. They're all great. The 80s, the 80s synth soundtrack is pretty cool. Farewell, K9. You were the noblest hound of them all. Uh, Dan <laughs> gives it a 6.5. Edward Gillooly. This is an odd story. I admire what they tried to do, that they tried to do something different, but that's not to say that I enjoyed it. I don't really know what's going on in his story, and I find it a little bit boring as well. Six out of ten. Ooh. So, uh, Tom, Titan Sci-Fi says, really love the special effects in this one. Sad to see Romana and K9 depart so quickly at the end, though. 7.5. The Lost on Gallifrey podcast. Like Ghostlight and to some extent the Moffat era, I've always liked Who when it's a bit baffling. Always keeps me coming back to try and figure out what, to try and figure it out and find previously missed details. Visually stunning, some great camera work and a fab otherworldly feel. Uh, a little gem, eight out of 10. Oh, nice. A little gem. And Sarah Louise, the running Whovian. I really struggle with this story. There were some good ideas, and I think the parallel times in the Great Hall were staged well, but for the most part, it seemed to be all over the place. The most consistent element being the Chuckle Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah gives it a 5.5. And over on Facebook, Jeff Waddle says, didn't have a clue what was going on when I watched this on transmission. The era hair, the era went too sp- uh, scientific and serious to be fully enjoyable. Now I can understand what's going on, but despite some very good set pieces and a decent script, there's still very little to enjoy in this one. A four out of ten, Jeff. Oh, Jeff. Aaron like Ball it. says a very unique story where the no budget works. The white background makes for an atmospheric setting. Romana's exit is very odd. She seems to be happy to be leaving, and John finally gets rid of K9. Overall, not as bad as people say. Adric doesn't do much, but I'd give it a seven out of ten. <laughs> Charlie Turner, my favourite from the eSpace trilogy, as far as I can remember, even though it can be a little confusing on first viewing. Absolutely horrible exit for Romana, though, as she was brilliant and had that chemistry with the Doctor. Not 100% sure for definite, but most likely a 7 out of 10. Okay. Joseph Howarth, this probably, uh, it's probably a brilliant looking story, the way uh, how the Doctor travels after Birok. It's not much, but it's effective and works with the context of the story. Uh, I'm honestly surprised they didn't do more stories like this. Anyways, Romana's exit was very odd and rushed. I guess JNT hates K9? Question mark. Mm. Uh, Joseph goes on to give it a 7.5. And Andrew Stewart says this is the weakest of the East Space trilogy. However, I still really enjoyed it. I'm not entirely sure who the villain is, but if it was Rorvik, then he did a good job of making me hate him. What a pompous twit he is. <laughs> uh, the story is actually quite simple and spreads nicely throughout the four parts. Birok was an interesting character and you feel sorry for his race of people. Tom Baker is really good whilst being very broody, but also not afraid to pull out the odd comedy line, which I have no doubt were Tom Baker's ad-libs. Andrew goes on to give it a 7.5. So thank you very much, you guys, over on the socials. The Facebook reviews typically are quite long, so I can't read them all out, but just head over to our Facebook page and uh, 
click on the post, you'll be able to, to read um, those longer reviews and interact over there. So next week, bud, what are we on to? We're continuing with Tom, right? Yeah, yeah, so we're continuing with Tom, so we'll be moving on to the Keeper of Traken. Keeper of Traken, eh? Keeper of Traken, yeah. Gonna be, so that's just uh, be just the Tom and Adric travelling together, won't it? So yeah, it will let's be, see yeah. how that pans out. Yeah, the Melka. The Melka. Melka statue. Coolio, Dud. Dud? Coolio, bud. What? I think we'll <laughs> wrap there for 307. Alrighty. Thank you, thank you, thank you, everybody, for coming back and listening to another episode of the Big Blue Box podcast. This was episode 307. The eSpace trilogy finally wrapped up. I think you enjoyed it a bit more than I did, dude, admittedly. I think, a bit uh, more. Yeah, seven and a half for you, about a six for me. And thank you so much to all of our listeners who have uh, come in on the socials, socials or sent in your audio reviews. It's very much appreciated. Love that part of the show here and what you guys think about it. Next week, as Adam said, we're continuing with our Tom Baker month and we're going to go through to the end of his run. Next week, it's The Keeper of Trakan. Mm. So get that watch. Get your DVDs out or your BritBox fired up. We'll get that watch because we'll be asking for your thoughts as always. In the meantime, head over to the website, bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. You can listen to all of our episodes for free over there. Plus, you can link off to all the socials, Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. Give us a like and a follow. As we chat Doctor Who throughout the week, we have a free Discord server as well. Come and hang out and chat Doctor Who with other Doctor Who fans. And we're on YouTube doing live streams. There's a link to, th- to that from our website. Come and subscribe so you can hang out and chat Doctor Who with me and or Adam over on the live streams. It's all good. Also, remember to listen for free and to follow us on whatever podcast app you get your podcasts on. Uh, we'd love to have you as a follower so you don't miss a show and it lands every single Friday. You can do that from the website or just do a search for us on whatever podcast you listen whatever app you listen to your podcasts on. Also, remember to check out my co-host channel over on YouTube. It is, in fact, The Geek's Handbag. <laughs> the Geek's Handbag. Yeah, go and have a look at some of the vids I've got on there. And I'm on all the socials. Loads of cool vids from Adam over on YouTube. And he's, he's on the socials as well, as he said. I am, yes. Under the same name, The Geek's Handbag. So go and check him out. That is me. Alrighty, until next week for 308. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And remember... 